Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome back to episode number 17 of series three of Sofa Cinema Club. I am Colsonson and as always, I'm joined by... Jack P. Shepherd. <laughs> ben Lamotta. That's what I was waiting for. I was laughing at that. The Sofa Cinema Club is our podcast where we get together and we educate each other on films. Now it's all about the films we should have seen, but we haven't. Each week we get together and watch a film picked by the other person with the aim to educate. Then we come into the studio and we talk about what we loved, hated and rated. <laughs> the beauty of our podcast is that anybody can join in. All you have to do is watch the film at home and join us every Thursday to find out what we thought of the film. But before we start talking, all things Raging Bull, what have you been up to? How's your week been? Uneventful, really. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard, isn't it? Because you you hit Dizzy Heights last week with the car wash. I did have another car episode. It was today, actually. Oh? I get a call from my... (laughs) Hello! Hello! Hang on. It's the bank. Hello, it's Mr. Shepard. Hang on. (laughs) Hello. Is that Jack speaking? Yes, this is Jack speaking. Shut up. up. I get a call from um, my girlfriend's mum. (laughs) <laughs> she said, Jack, what are you doing? I said, nothing. Why? She went, are you busy? I went, no. She said, I'm with Hanny. Car's broke down. Can you come and get us? I said, what do you mean broken down? She said, it's not working. I said, right, cars don't just stop. It's not an old car. I says, what's gone on? I was driving and then it just came to a stop and it won't turn on now. No fuel. No fuel. No the classic. Wow. <laughs> so you've clocked on. Yep. There's no fuel, yep. right? How do you go about approaching saying that without getting it right in the fucking neck? <laughs> what did you say? I just said, has it run out of petrol? I don't know. It just won't go. <laughs> <laughs> but how did they not click that that was the reason that it was all linked? It gives you a beat when you're down to the face. Yeah, she knew it was low. She just thought she'd okay. chance it. So you're out now, out and about, AA. No, she's not got very far. Oh. So you've, I can go to a petrol... No, I've not walked. I'm oh. going to drive to a petrol station. Yeah. I get there, I go in, and I say... Where's the little... You got any of them green things? One of those green things. One of those little petrol can. 
and I put it on the thing to pay for it. And the guy goes, rescue mission. I went, yeah. And he went, wife. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking brilliant. I went, yeah. And he went, yeah. (laughs) Like, it happens all the time. All the time. All the time. So I fill up, get my little five pounds worth of petrol in there, go and find her, side of a road. She's got her hazards on. (laughs) Shove it in, fill up a car so she can tootle off again. Did it work then? Yeah, yeah. But that's it. That's the event. At least you knew it was petrol. Because I've done the old... I went from having a petrol car to having a diesel car. Oh, we know what's coming. Yeah. No, it was the other way around. I went from having a diesel car to a petrol car, and I put diesel in a petrol, which you can't really do. It kind of stops you from doing it now, doesn't it? Yeah. And you just think, come on. Yeah, Yeah. and I was like, what's going on? So I was pouring it in, and then after about 23 quid's worth, I went, Oh, that's why. There's a reason why put it, it didn't back, go in. Rang my dad, and my dad was like, "How much have you put in? Because if it's a fiver, you'll get away with it." And I went twenty three pounds. Mm, no. Merck came and collected it, and when he came, he was like, um, "We'll send another car for you now." And I was like, "Oh, nice one, bloody blah, blah, spot on." He left, and then I was waiting half an hour, and they rang me and they said, "Are you waiting for another car?" And I was like, "Yeah, perfect." And they went. How old are you? And I was like, 19. And they went, we can't send you another car. And I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. I had to ring my mum. Put that admin down. <laughs> Put the packages down. This <laughs> Stop. Where are you going? No, Post you're office not. with some mugs. I need you to they pick me up. up and went, you shouldn't be, you're only 19. You shouldn't be driving that car anyway. We're not giving you one. Get on a bike. Coulson, you're going to talk to us about your new sport? Have you got one? He's got well, a new sport. He's on now. It's it's fuck the running. Yeah. Fuck the London <laughs> Marathon. That's gone. Fuck that. I don't want to know about that. I want a jersey and I want it to be yellow. <laughs> it is not fuck the running. It's fuck the injuries at the moment. Colson Froome. <laughs> Colson Wiggins. So, yeah, come on. Tell us about your um, Tour de France. I'm still slightly injured, so I can't run. Um, so I make a few inquiries, make a few calls. Speak to my dad. I get myself a road bike. Step one of getting a road bike. My dad has to assess me on a bike. So literally, my dad's there. He's he's cleaned it all up. He's pumped the tyres up. It's all sparkling. I'm like, great. I'll take it back to the flat with me. I go to take the tyre off. He went, well, we might as well go out for a, a little ride. And I was like, oh, okay. So I went and got changed. And then my mum, I came downstairs. And my mum went, oh, He's just said he's taking you out for your cycling proficiency test. And I was like, oh, great. So I had to go for a bike ride with my dad where he basically checked that I was able to ride on the road. I'd be shit scared on a bike on the road. Yesterday, seven scenes, finished at four o'clock, got in straight on the bike. On the Froome. (laughs) Did a lap and a bit of Cheshire, came back. Beautiful. Not shit yourself for the cars. You just keep pedalling. Look over your shoulder every now and then. Just keep going. Head down, go. I've ridden my bike twice in two days. And there are some people who do not... Give a fuck. No, they don't. Yeah, I feel like that when they've gone past that. Are you trying to knock me off? <laughs> have, you got bright, have you got bright clothes on? He's got his hair. Ah, the Belisha beacon. I know. Well, no, no, because you wear a helmet. What colour's your helmet, Colson? Ginger. <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't have a helmet. So my mum goes, you need to wear a helmet. And I go, I can't, they're too expensive. <laughs> they can't, they're too expensive. I just want to hurt my head. <laughs> I'll make one. I'll make one out of some cardboard. <laughs> uh, Jack's going to make me some out of some Lego. To which my dad responds... They're not as expensive as your fucking brain. And I went, well, if you care that much, you can buy me a helmet. So, get back to the flat. What's there waiting for me? A helmet. What colour is it? Bright pink. <laughs> Cheers, Dad. Be seen, be safe. <laughs> be seen, be safe. <laughs> can only wear it on Wednesdays. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Mean girls. you got your mean girl's helmet. And now, Ben... I have officially ordered some lycra, like full-on lycra. Hot pink lycra, hello. <laughs> I'm going to see the podiatrist tomorrow, so she might say that I can run and the next thing you know, the bike will be on the balcony collecting dust. <laughs> the bike will be on the balcony and you'll be doing a lap in hot pink lycra. <laughs> and his helmet on. <laughs> ben, what have you been up to? A couple of things happened. Jack sent me a nice text. Did I? Yes, and that hasn't happened in about the 11 years I've known you. What about? The film. You saw my film, and you actually sent me a nice text. Oh, yeah, I did. I saw your film. I got quite emotional, didn't I, Colson? I mean, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't that good. It wasn't, but compared with the low bar where you normally are, yeah. it was pretty high. I think it was them, one of them days where you actually realise that Jack does like you and appreciate you as a, a friend, which come about... Once every month, fish. I was appreciating the film that he made. I was telling him how... <laughs> Not him. I was, well, I, yeah, I was telling him how good I yeah, thought yeah. it was. Second lockdown moment. Um, star, we you know, star the dog. Uh, my life rolls around her. Yeah. If I'm not at work, it's her, really. And she's got to... Uh, so they chop the trees down in the wood. Yeah. And now she escapes. And then you sort of give her a little whistle and she comes back round the door. And then you let her in. And she's gone a long way round. She's seen some of the neighbours, wound their dogs up and then come back round, has a little tune, whatever. Anyway, she's on the, she's had a little walk around. She's on the settee and she, I just say this. And I'm like, it's not a full bark. It's like, there's someone there. And I go to the door. There's fucking no one there. I go sit back down. <laughs> There's still no one there. Then she trots out. I open our door splits up. Her mate from next door has knocked on. No owner. Nothing. Like, like, and I went, oh, all right. Ovi. Ovi's a little mix of things oh, from yeah. the dog's home. Knocked on and almost said to me, any chance? <laughs> any chance before tea? Any chance to start have a little game? And she fucking ironed the door. She walked in into the kitchen. They fucking gambled out. I let them out. They're all over each other. Oh, God. So they've got into this thing. So she just, because of lockdown, there's no cars. No one's going anywhere. They just knock on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you coming out to play? <laughs> Basically turning into cats. Yeah. yeah. That was my big week, actually. <laughs> Stars, mate, coming round. I was well impressed. <laughs> Your dog's got more of a social life than you are. Yeah. How does it feel? Yeah, I've got mates <laughs> who are happy to see me. <laughs> Did you not go, whoa, Ovi, you can't come in. It's breaking lockdown rules. You you stay out there. Actually, to be fair, he looked at me and I thought, do you know what? You probably haven't seen anyone. You've had a test. Yeah. You're wearing a mask. I was wearing a mask. <laughs> and they went straight outside. Then they had this massive fight for like, 
35 minutes. Then Ovi took itself back home. He came up to me and went, I said, oh, you want to go back? Yeah, go back now, a bit tired. Have a little lie down. I think I might have some food. And then trots home. I opened the door. and it, I mean, it's next door. Yeah. And just trotted home. And I thought, well, perfect. That is lockdown. That's the love of lockdown. So that's my week. So obviously the other thing we do in lockdown is watch films. And this week we've watched Raging Bull. But quickly, before we talk about that, Producer Henry put a post up on Instagram, which I think is a strike of genius. Stroke, not strike, but that's very good. That's very, very good. It's a strike, Matthew. It's a strike of genius. I'll tell you what, lads, I've had a strike of genius. Do you mean a stroke? No, a strike. Well, he had a stroke of genius and he put a post out basically asking for our boxing names. And some of them are... Brilliant. Have you seen some of these? We've got Ben the Asda Price. <laughs> you like that one, Shepard? It's just simple. I like the simple. It's simple. It's simple. Put you in your place, Price. It's simple. Jack the Aftershave Shepherd. <laughs> what was the one I liked that made me bloody laugh? Colson the Strawberry Blonde Bomber. Smith. Jack the Wet Wipe Shepherd. Oh and Ben... The floppy hands prints. <laughs> floppy floppy hand. hands. I love it though. I love it. Fair play. I like it. Colson the Runner Smith. Jack the Jim Shepherd. <laughs> ben the Smiler Price. That's from David Lloyd, isn't it? It's from David Lloyd. They know me very well. And obviously they know that Jack loves the gym. You're never out the gym. You've overtrained, if anything. I've <laughs> got too big. <laughs> You've got too big. I did think that in lockdown. It, it looks uncomfortable now in your jeans. Yeah. Tight. <laughs> you can't cross your legs. I thought, ooh, he's putting too it's much all across the back. Yeah, yeah, massive, massive traps. <laughs> That's what they say. Right, Raging Bull, who's giving us a synopsis? Ben. Oh, you shat yourself there, Shepard. I've got a really simple one. Go on. We follow Jake LaMotta... Middleweight boxer from 41 to 64. You see him in his early career, then you see him win the title, then you see him lose everything. No, it's not a timeline of the film. It's a synopsis. Well, I think that's a good synopsis. You could have fucking done it. You shat yourself, looked at me and went, oh, I don't fucking know. I have a little pop and you go, listen to it all, and then go, no, that's not fucking right. Right, go on, Jack, do it, and we'll let the tens of thousands of people that listen be the judge. Raging Ball is about middleweight boxer Jay Clamotta, who wants a shot at the title. Growing up in the Bronx, he's got mobster ties and a brother and a wife. Um, and it's all about his attitude towards jealousy and and the, <laughs> and the... Um, Trying to get that title that he thinks he deserves. Oh, you've really fucking shown me up there. I feel fucking shit now. Wow. That was absolutely, absolutely cutting. I didn't, Brilliant. I didn't have an ending again. I wonder if anyone switched off. <laughs> <laughs> you started well and then you faded a bit. And then half of you went, well, I've just said exactly what the fuck Ben said. Yeah. The start was word for word what you said anyway. To be honest, in the synopsis, I didn't want to give too much away. It's based on a real guy, De Niro, Scorsese, Pesci, one of the most famous films, Black and White. So kick us off, Coles. So big director, same director as Wolf of Wall Street. Mm. Yeah, Casino, Goodfellas. I've seen a few of his films. Yeah. First time I've ever seen this. A big shock that it was in black and white. 
So a few reasons why it was in black and white. Uh, Scorsese thought colour film would degrade. Uh, so he shot it in black and white to keep the film, preserve the film. He also couldn't get the colours right. They did a test shoot and the boxing gloves aren't the right colour for when he was shooting. He thought it'd be just too difficult to match all the colours. Yeah, I didn't understand that. Why didn't he just get the right colours? Well, maybe he didn't have much money. Well, it's only a pair of fucking gloves. <laughs> maybe he's looking at the whole of it. What's interesting is he uses it black and white, but then when they go to the home video footage, that's all colour. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. The wedding like montage of time, that's in colour, isn't it? Which shocked me because I thought, oh, is the film now going to continue in colour? And then I think straight after that montage is a montage of boxing fights and they're straight back in the ring and it's in black and white and it threw me a little bit. Yeah. So it's a very famous opening shot. Slow-mo, him in the ring, credits coming up. Mm. Very, very famous. Yeah. What did you know about this film, Colson? Did you know it was boxing? I don't think I particularly did until I pressed play and then I clicked straight away that it was the De Niro boxing film that I'd heard everything about. I didn't know that opening shot where he's smoking the cigar doing the monologue. I didn't know that was De Niro. Yeah. That didn't hit me until the end. So for me, watching this film... First time ever. I was watching it on my own, and after about 20 minutes, I i won't lie to you, I was really struggling, and I couldn't pinpoint why. Ooh. And it wasn't that I wasn't concentrating, I was just finding it difficult, and I had the sound turned up on full, and I couldn't hear a fucking thing, because there was too much background noise, and the dialogue wasn't loud enough, so I had to put the subtitles on. Oh, so after about 25 minutes, I watched it with subtitles, but it completely changed the entire film for me. Better? Then. Worse? Well, I, it's hard to tell, actually, Jack, because I couldn't understand what the fuck was going on, because I couldn't understand what Is it... Is it the thick New York Bronx accent or something, or...? I don't know if it's because it's an old film, but all you can hear is, like, background noise. Right. Like, you can't hear... It's re- And I was finding, when I was boxing, I was having to turn it the TV down because it was too loud... Then, mm. like, there's that shit scene with them where they're on the tracking shot and they're walking down the street. I can't fucking hear what they're saying. Oh. However, however, just before you slag me off for this, I put on Instagram that I was watching it. Two people messaged me to say, you want to put subtitles on. And someone has tweeted the Sofa Cinema Club to say, I've watched the film in preparation for Thursday, had to put the subtitles on, couldn't hear a fucking ah, thing. Ah, interesting. What did you watch it on, Coles? I had to buy it on Amazon Prime for £7.99. See, I did what What Ben did did and I rented it off Apple for like three quid. No, I had the DVD. Oh, did you? I had the DVD. I went old school, I had the DVD. And I I could hear everything on Apple. So you had no issue, you you weren't having to work hard to listen or anything like that? No. Part of it is the style of the film, but I do think it's probably... Maybe what are you watching? And also that the TV you've got, which is it's eighty inches, mm. so it's it's the football pitch telly, massive picture, shit sound. I've got a separate sound bar. I do that picks out. Do you as well, yeah. Jack? Yeah, picks out the voice. That telly you've got is so big, it's like you're in a boxing ring, but the sound won't pick up speech. It it was just difficult to get involved with the film until I swapped to subtitles. So the point I swapped to subtitles 
was basically just after the point he'd had a fight with him and his wife. So it was fairly early on in the film. Yeah, about the stake. Yeah, and it was a good job I did because I just didn't know what they were talking about. And I did debate putting it back onto the start, but I just battled through after 25 minutes. So he loses his first fight, doesn't he? To Sugar Ray Lewis. Yeah, and then he's... Heard a lot about Sugar Ray Lewis. Have you? I haven't. Sugar Ray Robinson. That's the one. Sugar Ray Lewis is interesting then. Um so Sugar so he loses his first fight, but he only just loses it and he gets counted out. He's fucking he didn't see any of it. I do get the feeling when it comes to our films you don't quite make the effort. You sort of start off with I had to rent it. He said I've heard a lot fucking I've heard a lot about Sugar Ray Lewis. How many times will I have fucking read that name as well? I've not even heard it. I've read it. I've physically read Sugar Ray Robinson. And it's still gone in this brain. And gone. Sugar Ray Lewis. Um, so he loses, doesn't he? But only just. He feels unjust, doesn't he? As though he should win because he knocked him down. And then you go into that scene with his wife and you start seeing his rage very early on. So you see the two halves of him, isn't there? There's the fighter, but there's also this enormous rage that he has within him yeah you understand what he is as a fighter then you get introduced to him and his brother joe pesci it's almost as though he couldn't switch off as well from being in the ring he was like this caged animal wasn't he yeah and then when he's out of the ring is he just expected to act accordingly like a normal gentleman but he's still this sort of wild animal out of the ring as well as in there's that also very famous scene where you see him tell his brother to hit him. Yeah, I had the subtitles on at this point. But you could gather even without subtitles, he's asking, will you hit me? Yeah, I'm with you now. That first bit of the film was a bit of a blur because he he basically, he talks about the size of his hands, doesn't he? And he says, I'm never going to get a shot at the championship. No, never get shot at the heavyweight championship. He's a middleweight. He'll never be big enough. And I thought then, because I kind of knew that De Niro put on weight for this role, I thought the film was going to be... To try and get heavyweight. So that's where I thought the film was going at that point. You know, like, when you start watching a film and you think you know what it is, it wasn't what I expected at all in that breath. So he has that scene, and his brother does end up hitting him and (laughs) splitting his face open, and he just wants more and more and more, doesn't he? They actually hit each other. Oh, did they? They actually hit each other in that, yeah. De Niro was asking him to punch him in the face, and Pesci's actually punching him in the face. Oh, really? Yeah. Because the way it was filmed, it looks like he was, you know, it was fight-directed sort of thing. Fun fact. Yeah. Pesci had given up acting, so he wasn't acting, and De Niro got him out of a restaurant. He was managing a restaurant and gave him that part. And it was Vicky had never acted, the young girl. So Pesci came out, and his best mate plays Salvi. You know the guy he beats up in the car? Yes. Over with the head. They had a comedy duo and it didn't work. They bombed. So he went, he left acting and De Niro saw a film of his or Pesci's film or some or something and asked him to, gave him the part. He's the same actor that De Niro and Pesci kill in Goodfellas. It's the same actor. Yeah. Billy Batts, he plays in Goodfellas. I thought he was very good, Salvi. So he's kind of this... Um mob yeah. mafia character yeah, yeah. isn't so he? you get into that quite quickly don't you realize that to get anywhere in the fight game you're gonna have to have them and it took me a while to understand the politics of what was going on there so obviously de niro's character jack wants fuck all to do with the mafia does he he just wants to fight 
Whereas his brother, Joey, like he, he looks out for him and he knows that he's got to have these people on his side. And it's a bit like he's his manager, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. He kind of builds that relationship for him and keeps it sweet. And he has to parade him certain things and he parades him to the house with the pool, doesn't he? And it's kind of seeing him around and getting him in. And Jack's always off with them. You know, you can kind of tell that he's not really one for the mafia. He seems off with everyone, to be fair. Yeah. He seems a bit angry with everyone, didn't he? Other than Vicky. But I have to say, that's a weird first date. Like, it's an odd one, isn't it? So he sees her at the pool, and there's the odd bit, which I'm not, couldn't quite get my head around, where they say she's 14 or whatever. 15, I think they say 15. And then the next thing, he's on a date with I think that's just the times, isn't it? 1940, 41. I mean, she doesn't look 15, so maybe she actually But he's is. married. Yeah. That is true, yeah. He's married. I mean, I think what it's setting up is obviously true, but it's also setting up the fact that it's all wrong. Mm. Yeah. He's not in the right place. I think the whole film is telling you he never mentally really gets himself in the right place, does he? For me, there's a moment just around that first party where he sneaks out and his wife's like, where are you going? And he's like, it's business. And... He goes to that mafia party and he sees Vicky leave with Salvi. And ever since that moment, it's like he's always held that against Salvi and the mafia, hasn't he? Because as he gets older and his relationship with Vicky changes, I kept thinking back to that one scene where he follows her and watches her get in the car and go. Mm. It's a bit like that's really stuck with him and, and kept to him. He's really insecure about everything, isn't he? He's sent out to get hit or hit, and they make the money, and it's all his risk. He's going to get bashed up. He's going to bash someone up, and they're going to take all this money on the back of him. But here's a good point that they set it up very well, the timeline of the film, that already he's got that in the back of his head, his jealousy. He's, he's just a rageaholic, isn't he? So he gets with um, Vicky, takes her out on a date. They do what everyone does on a first date and goes mini-golfing. <laughs> The windmill, the toughest of mini golfs, the windmill. Everybody knows. We all know that. I like it where he throws the club away and then proceeds to help her. And then I think it was probably the funniest line where he can't find the ball and she goes, what happens now? And he goes, game over, we leave. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was like the funniest bit. Mini golf, have you been mini golf recently? I've done mini golf, yeah. I went not long ago with my son. It's actually mint yeah. when you get into it. If you take it properly, proper if you serious. really think to yourself, yeah. yeah, proper serious. Par three. If you get an all in one, we'll have to do. We'll have to have a sofa cinema club night out. There we go. Sofa cinema club mini golf. Everyone's going to be waiting for that. They're going to love it. We'll watch Tin <laughs> Cup and then play mini golf. But unlike in Raging Bull, we're not going to get married afterwards, and that is what happens, isn't it? So De Niro's character Jack and Vicky, they end up getting married and moving in together. And you never really see his wife ever again. No, she just vanishes, doesn't she? He's back fighting, isn't he? He's fighting a lot. And he's fought everyone. And do you hear that on the commentary? They say if he's fought Sugar Ray Lewis three times in the space of five weeks. Hang on, did you just say Sugar did. Ray Lewis? Did, did I say Sugar, Sugar Ray, Lewis? Ray Lewis? You, you, did, did. you did. did say that. You did you say Sugar Ray Lewis? <laughs> <laughs> You've got it in my head. But you said it very confidently as well, like Colson did. That's how slow my brain is. It took about 30 seconds to hit me, but I went, he just said Sugar Ray Lewis. Oh, shit. Do you know what? This lockdown's got us all, hasn't it? (laughs) Do you know what? 
Let's call them Sugar Ray Lewis. It's a better, it's a name. better name. Yeah, it's called. It's good actually. Lewis. So he's four. Yeah, three. T- well, I suppose it's all based on betting. Mm. It's all betting and all fixed, isn't it? Yeah. And it's led by the mafia, yeah. and they're not giving him the big fights, are they? Madison Which- Square Garden. So he beats everyone. No one will fight him. The only way he's going to get to fight anyone is if he's fighting for the mafia and basically throws a fight to get the money. Yeah. Which he does. But he, he doesn't do it the way he's meant to, does he? Is that right? Did I get that? It goes ding, ding. And he sta- he throws the first jab and he nearly knocks the guy out on the first punch. So he's like, oh, for fuck's sake. And obviously it battles with him mentally, doesn't it? That he doesn't want to go down. Yeah. Because the fighter in him wants to win. It reminded me a bit of, I, I once got like beat up in primary school, like when I was really young and this kid like, had an issue with me. So he like he, he wanted to start on me. This is in like year four, year five. Um so at lunchtime like he he came to punch me sort of thing. And after he hit me for the first time I just laid on the floor flat and I was like, what's he gonna do if I lay on the floor? <laughs> so I just laid on the floor like that, looking at the ground, thinking, Well he can't do all and I'm not gonna fight him back. So this that was my defence mechanism. What did he try to do? Did he try and chop your finger off to get your money? <laughs> Different school. Try different and get schools. your fingerprint. Get his finger off. It's got thousands in that finger. I, t- I tell you what, um, my mum, after listening to the podcast, yeah. she oh, was like, no. you, you don't know. She was like 25 quid a week. And apparently I used to promise her that like school had a set menu that was like £2.50 a day. And I used to <laughs> promise her that I was having that. And that, like, my finger used to get hacked oh, and stuff. My finger's getting hacked. Or, or, Jack, apparently, my biggest one was that I used to buy my friends lunch and stuff like that. Or I used to buy, like, people water bottles and stuff. But you didn't. You didn't. No, clearly not. <laughs> clearly not. Clearly not. You were just bagging them in. And then were you all right after the fight? What happened? I was fine. I mean, it worked. My defence mechanism of just laying on the floor. Did someone pick you up, try and help you? Or did they just keep walking over you and eat lunch? (laughs) (laughs) Just kept going, really. It was was one of them things like a Yorkshire playground of... Like I, I was never the kid of if you have an issue with someone, beat them up. But everyone at my primary school was. Whereas I was, I still probably had a southern accent. Well, I did have a southern accent in primary school sort of thing. So I was there and this kid came for me and I went, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to lay on the floor. (laughs) You must have been in fights in Newcastle. I could run fast. <laughs> so anyway, he throws this fight, doesn't yeah. he? He throws the fight. He doesn't go down. And then they hold the purse, don't they? Because they suspect it's fixed. And there's that very famous scene where he's crying his eyes out. Yeah. And his brother is really upset. What's extraordinary is the corner man is he's absolutely upset. gutted. Yeah. He's upset. He's not an actor. He's a real corner man. He's really upset. <laughs> so he's really thinking it really happened. Mm. And he's, I mean, that's the most amazing scene that they all cry. And he's devastated. He thinks that's the end. And he's promised a title shot, isn't he? And it takes two years for him to get that title shot. And he thinks the last thing he's going to be remembered for is throwing that fight. But it kind of comes around full circle, doesn't it? Because he eventually gets his title shot. Yeah. After a little bit of negotiation with the Mafia. But in doing so, you also see him change as a person. And obviously he can't use his rage in the boxing. So 
You find out a lot more about his insecurities with his wife and Vicky, don't you? Yeah. You know, they, they've progressively moved on. It, you know, it's just after this, it's the montage that Ben mentioned about that's in colour sort of thing. But he kind of has it in his head that Vicky is cheating on him at every opportunity. And he says to his brother, like, I want you to do one thing for me and I want you to keep an eye on her and watch out and basically not let her out of her sight. And you see her hanging around with the mafia. And for me, I found all that quite confusing because I didn't actually get if there was foul play happening or not. I think the point was, even when they're in that nightclub and she's talking to the fellas or he says, what did he say? And you see what the conversation is. Yeah. Don't you? Hey, what are you up to, Vicky? How are you doing? I'm all right. I'm going to sit. I'm going to sit down. And then he asks her, what did you say? He just said, hey, you're all right. And you see his rage. You see him pull out a whole narrative to this girl. Because she's only 20 by then. Yeah. 21. I mean, he married her so young. I mean, she's still a very young girl. And he's completely invents stories in his head. And then he gets asked to go over, doesn't he? And talk to them. And there's always a bit of rage around him. And it just seems like he can't... He's got no perspective when it comes to her. He thinks she's with everyone. Yeah. Do you two not think... Not think she I don't was, think she no. was. No, I don't, think, I don't she think she was at all. I think she really loved him. Yeah. I agree with you. I think she loved him. And I found it weird when he basically pushed and pushed and pushed and said, you know, are you sleeping with my brother? Are you sleeping with all these people? And when she says, yes, I couldn't, I couldn't quite make a decision for myself. She just says it because she's pissed off for saying no. Yeah. I think it must be every single day. Yeah. It's when she goes upstairs it's whatever she says, wherever she goes, it's where have you been? What have you been doing? He's always on that. I suppose what Scorsese does very cleverly is he always shows that Lamotta has, uh, over the smallest things, he asks for a coffee, doesn't he? Mm. So the state don't overdo the state with his first wife. He absolutely loses it. Mm. He asks for a coffee. Hey, give me a coffee. Hey, I just need a coffee. Hey, you're going to give me that? And he goes. Mm. You just see he's got seconds in him you know when he flies off the handle about the steak and then there's the guy yeah in the apartment next door and starts telling him to shut up and he's an animal yeah. they were prop men oh really and scorsese told them to go behind the set and start shouting you're an animal you're a bastard or whatever just so de niro could then have a pop at someone outside the house so they just started to wind wind him up so that he could like lash out at whoever so I guess in typical like um, Scorsese fashion, was this very much a lot of improvisation? Yeah, a lot of it was. De Niro and Pesci like to role play a lot and improvise a lot, and they lived with each other before making this film, so that they had that close connection, that close bond with each other. Actually, throughout the film, when they have that big fallout two brothers have that big fallout Scorsese said I don't want you to speak to each other now for the rest of the film until we do that last scene you know the last scene where they see each other wow they'd not seen or spoken to each other for about four or five months when they were really really close in making the film and then stops Scorsese says and I don't want you to speak to each other as though you have fallen out wow they didn't get um, they didn't get a writer's credit Scorsese and De Niro, although they did do a lot of it, they improvised a lot of scenes with the girl that played Vicky, you know, at the, at the swimming pool gates where they meet each yeah. other for the first yeah. time. Yeah, all yeah. good completely scene. Completely all ad lib, all improvised from De Niro and um, 
Kathy, forgotten her name. Um, but yeah, a lot of it, a lot of it all improvised. So how do we get then to the point of them falling out, the brothers? So he wins. He wins the title, the doesn't he? world title. He wins the world title. And then you think to yourself, actually, it's all going to be fine now. And then he goes off to another training camp and his brother's drinking that nightclub again and he sees Vicky. And Vicky is sat down with all the guys, the mob guys. And Pesci, rather than... <laughs> Pesci's character, rather than go, oh, I think I have a quiet word, <laughs> goes straight over, what the fuck are you doing? And then, I love this about Pesci, you could really see, it makes sense how how well he knew Salvi is. He says, come over here, here's a word with her. He sits back down, he sends her off. And they go, oh, come on, come on, we're having a joke. Come on, we're having a joke. Yeah, 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 I know, I know. Smashes a glass <laughs> in his face. <laughs> it's like, it's classic Pesci, isn't yeah. it? It's classic... Huge fight erupts. That was one take. They did that in a in a club in one take. And oh, did the actor they? who plays Salvi Frank Vincent and Joe yeah. Pesci, they both knew that this glass, it's like sugar glass, and obviously he's going to smash it over his face. Yeah. And then this fight's going to, you know, unfold. But none of the actors knew. None of the uh, background act- actors knew. None of the crew knew. They just, it was told that there's going to be a bit of a scuffle. Pesci's going to say sorry and leave. And obviously that didn't happen. So he's done the glass smash. Table goes over. Chairs go over. Pesci jumps on him. Pesci's pulled off. All the background actors, they're all in shot. They think he, they think he's smashed a glass in his face. Everything unfolds and everybody's reaction is genuine. There's a lot of... Um, if you think about like Goodfellas and Casino, they're quite like violent films, aren't they? Well, yeah, same director, yeah. But I think Guy Ritchie, he's done that car door with Vinnie Jones in, um, is it Lockstock? Yes, he did. He nicked it straight, straight from that. This is a film about boxing, which is a violent sport, and it's there isn't that much violence in there, is there? In the boxing, I would say, yeah. There's a. F- do you not, do you think? Oh, I think the blood on the back... The exploding eyes. Yeah, it, in the actual... What, what rating was it? 18? 18. Scorsese mm. hated boxing. Surprised me. He thought it was really brutal. So he showed the brutality. He said the blood in the bucket really stuck with him. And he made sure that the... A lot of boxing films have been shot on the outside of the ring in a fixed position. He made sure that the DOP got inside the ring with a camera I thought it was very violent actually mm. I think it depicts a real brutality when he says he's got to fight that really pretty boxer yeah and she says yeah, yeah you know he's good looking and he and he just it hangs in him mm. what do you mean he's good looking what do you mean he's going to I'm going to make sure he's not good looking and he punches him so hard he rips his nose apart yeah and I just thought God, that is really brutal to not only beat him, but to smash him so badly, he'll never look the same. So, yeah, so he wins the world title, doesn't he? But that, that's also almost a bit where it all goes. He's got the money. He starts to put weight on. And then they move out to Miami. Miami. And then he's doing that bit with the telly. He's trying to get uh, a picture on the telly. And there's that famous scene with him and Pesci. And he goes, what happened with Vicky in that club? You never told me what happened. He goes, oh, you know, just it was this and that. He's obviously been told... De Niro's character has been told exactly what happened. And they go into that big bit of him, did you sleep with my wife and all that? And then Pesci leaves. And then I found this really disturbing when De Niro comes into his apartment, takes him away from the kids and starts beating the, the shit out of him. 
then hits his own wife. That's that's after Vicky said, yeah, I did. And, he, and he's got a bigger yeah, dick yeah. than you. She, yeah, she's just saying it though, isn't she, I think. She's yeah. just saying it. That That is when he goes round and Joey's wife sees him come towards and you just see that he's like he's in the ring, isn't it? He yeah. completely yeah. goes for And him. that's his brother. And I don't think anyone's expecting Vicky to hit the floor like... That, that was contact, wasn't it? And when she hit the floor, you almost thought, God, has he, has he killed her sort of thing? But it's a real... It is that moment where you, you really see the title of the film. Mm. That raging bull. That man you can't stop. He's got an awful rage. He's taking out his brother and his wife. And then that really sad bit when she comes back in and he's just been sat there and she comes back in and he tries to make it all up with her. But what I found really, really upsetting and so powerful with that scene is there's no dialogue it's it's almost like it's deafening the silence she comes in she doesn't say anything she goes straight to the drawer she's getting the clothes and he comes up to her almost that coercive control kind of thing isn't it because yeah he it's when he hugs her she doesn't want to hug him as soon as he hugs her she hugs him back mm. and it that you see a lot in that hug sort of thing if you know that she's going to stay with him mm. it obviously takes a while in terms of time moving on and their new life in Miami until she finally does leave him and he's not been a good husband whatsoever has he then know? I think they paused the filming of the film after that because he had to gain the weight four months and they paid everyone yeah which he put on 60 pounds which I had to Google it. It's it's four and like four and a half stone. It's a fucking lot in four months. Put on a stone a month. What did he do? He went round France and Italy and just ate pasta and milkshake and sat down. Yeah, because they filmed all the boxing scenes all at the same time when he was ripped. Ah, okay. And then obviously he put the weight on. And with the boxing scenes, which I never knew. Whatever, what were we going to call it? The special fact. The fun fact of the week, wasn't it? I don't. Yeah, fun fact of the week, and I don't think this is actually that good. Uh. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> I've got to it now, and I've just gone. I think I blew one fact too early. Right. But fun fact. Oh, I've seen it myself. Then. Go on then. Scorsese made each boxing ring smaller and smaller and smaller through the film. Oh, really? So when he's a contender. It's a big ring. You've got a lot of space and you see him dance around. And there's his mind. He's losing his mind Mm. and losing his grip on reality and the boxing championship. He built smaller and smaller rings. I like that. Till in the end, you're trapped in this man's mind in a tiny ring. I thought that is fucking great filmmaking, isn't it? Mm. He just, he's, so the opening shot is that big expansive ring. By the time you get to the end one, when he loses the title, he loses everything, doesn't he? He fights Sugar Ray Lewis again. (laughs) Uh, He gets beaten, doesn't he, this time? (laughs) How can, and I know Scorsese is one of the most renowned directors of all time, but how does somebody get to that kind of level? You know, that level to have a brain that thinks like that. I'll tell you, Coles, by copying other directors. Do you know what he did for that Sugar Ray Lewis fight, that last one? He used the same shots, the same storyboard as the psycho stab in the shower. You know when he's getting beat on the ropes and he's getting hit? Ah, uh, yeah. It's shot for shot 
the stab. That's fun fact. That's fun fact. Right. Fuck the other fun fact. <laughs> fun fact. That's a good that's one. Good. That's That's what we're waiting for. Shot that's for shot. Better. It's the stab. And it's Sugar Ray Lewis is Norman Bates. And uh, Robert yeah. De Niro is Janet. I mean, there Ray. is that extraordinary iconic shot when he's stood on his own. Mm. He's got his right hand clocked. Yeah. And the light behind, him. behind yeah. him. Yeah. And it is so clear. Yeah. The footage is so clear. And he just goes, Boof. Yeah. Yeah. And you just think that level of filmmaking is so much in it. Like he scores, you know, the home movie footage, which is colour. Yeah. He got um, a penny and scratched all the negatives so it looks old. Yeah. And you know, the editor, Thelma Shoemaker, she yeah. edited. She won an Oscar. She did. It's her first film. Was it a first film that she edited? I think it might be. Anyway, she went to cinemas to make sure that they were putting that bit in the film, the coloured reel, because it was a different coloured reel to the black and white. Uh. So what people were doing is they were seeing that reel different in the film and they were taking it out, thinking that there was an extra bit of the film that had been put in that wasn't meant to be there. She said, whoa, what are you doing? They went, oh, yeah, someone's just left this in. It's like a negative or something. So it's She's at Cineworld <laughs> yeah. on the 10 cinemas in the... T- hey, hey, yeah. hey, it's me. Yeah. No, well, she, put it yeah, back in. She went round a few cinemas in LA to make sure that they were putting God, it on the scene because she said that you'd be surprised. The amount of- she went, the last editor of the film is the fucking cinema pro- projectionist guy. <laughs> wow. So... He's lost everything, isn't he? Yeah. I mean, so he's got this club in Miami, hasn't he? So he kind of puts it at that. That's where my life's at now. Yeah. So, and he's doing that cheesy TV commercial for it, isn't it? And we find him on stage doing a bit of a monologue, talking about where he was, being a bit of a showman. He's still aggressive yeah. then. Yeah. <laughs> like he's a compare and you still like, God, your hard work. He has that scene with the um, counsellor, doesn't he, or whatever, the, the weird one where he's talking to his wife. And then he goes to the bar and there's two girls there. And they go, Jake, these girls, they want to get served, but they've not got any ID. Um, and he goes, are you 221? And the one girl says, yeah. And he's like, have you got any ID? And she says, no. And he's like, well, how can you show me that you're 21? And he kisses her. And then he proceeds to kiss the other girl that isn't 21. And then next thing you know, he's getting arrested. the police are around at his house. And he's been arrested. Well, no, he's at the club. He slept at the club, hasn't he? His wife has packed the car up yeah. and turns up in the car park. He comes out and goes, sorry, really heavy night. And she's like, I've had enough. He's basically been charged for kissing a 14-year-old girl. And apparently if he can find 10 grand, it, he can make it all go away. And he does that thing that's so shameful and doesn't make any sense whatsoever is he gets his world championship belt and smashes the jewels out of it, which... So you see that moment of he's worked so hard for this belt and that belt must have no value to him whatsoever. And the only thing that has value to it now is the jewels inside it. And then when he takes it to the pawn shop, the man's like, why have you taken these out of the belt? Like The belt, yeah. That, that's where the value's at sort of thing. And that, that was the moment for me where I was like, oh, fuck, he's lost it. But it's the complete demise, isn't it? He's He's going to lose his club. He's going to lose his wife. He's going to lose his kids. And his belt. And his belt. He gets done, doesn't he? He gets jail time. Then he does that punch in the wall scene. Very God, I love Good that scene. scene. Yeah, I'll give you that in the prison cell. Yeah. God. Um, the lighting. He's in black. And the yeah. shard of light. I mean, that's just so... I mean, some of it is just so beautiful. Mm. Yeah, and he loses it. And then you see him, you cut to him sort of in a back-end club, don't you? 
and he's doing his act and there's no one there and he's still a bit bloody aggressive. And he's dating the stripper, isn't he? He's, he's dating the stripper. Yeah. He goes to get the car and he sees his brother. The film was meant to flashback a lot more than what it did between present time and, and the past. In the end, when editing, they decided to... Is it bookmark the end? They call it... Yeah, with the same shot, the top with and the, the bottom. With, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. top, top and yeah. tail. Yeah. So they do put the end in at the beginning and then you work your way back to that point they just did that in the end and they didn't do any flashbacks but um yeah he's really sad and you see him all alone in that dressing room and he starts to recite on the waterfront you really do see the difference in where he started off as to where he is in terms of the way he looks in that moment don't you battered face Mm. battered life nothing left he's lost his brother there's that awful scene where he does the same thing he did to his wife to his brother mm. he tries to hug him force him come on hug me hug me and you can see that his brother's just scared his brother's just mm. had it he had it as soon as you punch me in front of my kids that was the end yeah. really sad ending amazing really amazing way to tell the story but what a sad sad life uh just one more fact oh fun 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 fact this will be funny fun fact. <laughs> funny fun fact. De Niro first came across this book. He was reading Raging Bull on the set of The Godfather 2, where he won his first oh. Oscar. And he wanted to do this film, uh, and he wanted to do it with Scorsese, who he worked with, obviously with, and Taxi Driver. And at the time, in 78, 79, when he wanted to make the film, Scorsese was highly addicted to cocaine. And he had a drug overdose and he nearly died. And it was De Niro who went to his hospital bed and told him to clean his act together and you have to make this film. Me and you are going to make this film together and this is going to be your road to recovery. So he did and he made Raging Bull. And at the end of Raging Bull, Ben, you notice that he thanked his college professor or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. taught him so much because Scorsese actually believed it was going to be his last film that he ever directed because he didn't think he would direct one again. And it didn't do great initially at the box. No, no, it didn't. Did it win anything? It won Best Actor, Oscar, uh, De Niro. Best Actor, Best Editor. I think it was up for five. But it got critical acclaim. It didn't win a lot. It didn't get a lot of money. I think it had a budget of 18 million and came away with about 30 million. Yeah, yeah. Um, But it did get critical acclaim and it still gets critical acclaim now. Yeah. I think with air calls, I think he can say the magic word. Go, hit it. So you've heard what the experts think, but now let's hear what the real experts <laughs> think. But before we get to there, let's just take a quick break. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Right. The ratings. I'm going to go quite big on this one, you know. I'm going to go 9.4. 9.4 for me. What the fuck do you lose 0.6 on? Where do you lose point? Oh, sorry, I've just dropped 0.6. Yeah, acting masterclass and... Yeah, and the story, and yeah, I think, I, I love it, I do really love this film. It's boxing films go, I think it's better than Rocky, I do, I do think it is. Same producers. Is it really? Another reason why they did it black and white, Scorsese says, it's not Rocky. I want everybody to know it's definitely not Rocky, and don't expect this glorified, boxing's great, and this is the champ, it's not that film, so that's another reason why they went black and white, yeah. For me, 10. Nothing to say. (laughs) (laughs) I think this has always been, I think, just just the techniques he uses. Just the acting. The shots. There's so many techniques. So much in there. The way they act it. The story. The music, mm. the slow-mo, the use of slow-mo, the use of picking up hands when Jake Lamotta is thinking something's going on. Everything, it's, it's highly, highly technical filmmaking. Well, um, I'm a little bit worried that you might turn into the Raging Bull, one of you. I don't think it was my film, but I also don't think it helped how I watched it because... Like I say, I found it a difficult watch and a lot of that was to do with the dialogue and a lot of that was to do with the picture. Like, I thought some shots were really, like, sharp and I thought others were blurry and difficult. So whether that's the fact that, obviously, I've streamed it on Prime and it's black and white and the TV's not processed it well, I don't know. So that's half my defence, but I will justify my rating afterwards. And I nearly did that thing of upping it because I was scared of what you were going to no, say. No, I'm not. I'm going to. No, I'm going to stick. For me, it's a six, <laughs> and I feel bad in saying it. It just, it, it's not. It's not my film, is it? Jack, I wouldn't watch it again. <laughs> That's the bottom end of six. I found it really difficult to watch. I didn't get loads from it. The the thing that I could appreciate massively was De Niro. And the way, but I think thing. it's almost it's it's almost a similarity to sort of the Kramer versus Kramer feeling. Of, that was a sloppy six as well. <laughs> that was a sloppy. It? It's <laughs> almost a Papadopoulos. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> no, but I, I I feel I feel guilty. Yeah, but your rating doesn't affect at all what I think of the film. It's up to you. Yeah, no, but I feel that the premise of this podcast is that these films aren't meant to be sixes from me anymore. They're not, but that was just one film that didn't strike. But you talk about Goodfellas and Casino and Wolf of Wall Street, other Scorsese films, and I absolutely love them. So it was clearly just, this film isn't my film. So yeah, six. (laughs) 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 Oof. So what is that? Add it up. 
77. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? First, I don't know. Uh, 15, Hold on, what did I give 15. it? 15.4. I, I mean, that's that's high. It's a big it's a big rating. That. Yeah, we'll take that. I think Scorsese is probably, on average, the highest rated director in Sofa Cinema Club history. We've done in the most, probably, though, haven't we? Yeah, we've done Fincher a couple of times. Have we done Spielberg? Yeah, Spielberg, Schindler. Yeah. So to get us back on track after a sloppy (laughs) six and lighten the mood, I think it would probably be a great time for Ben's probably favourite moment in the podcast where he tells us what ratings and reviews have been left on the iTunes store. Well, do you know what, actually? The reviews... Have gone through the roof since we started this new section <laughs> review section. I don't know what to call it. What would we call it? Ben's Ben's reviews. Ben's reviews. Catchy. <laughs> Ben's reviews. Some of them. I mean, here we go. Katie Heron, twenty-seven. I'm interested in the other twenty-six there. <laughs> well, you know, who, hang on, hang on. You know, Katie Heron yeah. is. Well, that's the girl the from mean fucking girls. Mean Girls. God, she's written in. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's Lindsay good. Lohan. She's it, might, it could be my next door neighbour for all we know. She's given it. Could be yeah. You could be our mums. Five star podcast. If you want something that's going to make you laugh, then listen to this. Love the banter between the three guys. Benny's brilliant, and Jack and Colson are okay. Oh fuck. <laughs> um, so good. This is from Pancakes two six one three. I love the names. It's five stars, but they've just put worth a listen. <laughs> I think you've got to be a bit more, but just well worth a listen. Um, so good. Love their chat just as much as listening about the films. Mm-hmm. Ben's brilliant. Do you know what I'm starting to find from all these names? It could just be us making them. Because it's never like Stacey. It's always like a made up name, <laughs> isn't it? something to do with the films that we've reviewed. But, yeah. yeah. There, there was one issue though, wasn't there, Ben? There was one that you picked up on that maybe wasn't five stars is that right hold on i can't find it i've gone i'm going into oh (laughs) yeah here laugh 61 whoever you are laugh 61 there's a few things wrong with this fucking review (laughs) um the title is mugs all round very good you obviously listen I, i appreciate that love the podcast you're all great yellow thumbs up emoji very good Full of laughs, keep up the banter. No Ben's brilliant. No. Four stars. <laughs> Four <laughs> stars. <laughs> Hold on. It doesn't work like doesn't that. Work. It works five stars. It's That's five. the only thing you press. Five. Just bing, 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 <laughs> five. But I love that. Mugs all round. Love the podcast. You're all great for. <laughs> <laughs> but we really do appreciate all of your ratings and all of your reviews. So please keep love, leaving love them on the iTunes store. Um, it makes us happy. Even if they're four stars, we enjoy reading them. We just like five stars a lot more. It gets us it's through funny. lockdown, doesn't it? It makes us laugh. So keep sharing the podcast. And speaking of sharing, yeah. Jack... It's your time to share, isn't it? It is. It's Jack's hidden gem of the week. Jack's oh, hidden gem. your Jack's hidden gem of the week. <laughs> and I think, I think I know what it's going to yeah. be. And if it's what I think it is, I watched it today in preparation for this. I normally nip to the toilet in Jack's hidden gem, but I'm here now <laughs> for it. Jack's hidden gem of the week is uh, a documentary that you can catch on 
Sky documentaries, you can get it on Sky TV or you can get it on Now TV. And it's called Class Action Park. And what it's about is a theme park in the 80s that um, was built in New Jersey, New York City, somewhere New Jersey, just, just yeah, north New of Jersey. there. 40 miles outside of New York. Veron, Veron, Veron. And Vermont. It was. Vermont. <laughs> yeah, a guy who had a bit of money. Um, had ties with Wall Street, built like a water park and let teenagers virtually run it. And it's basically really fucking dangerous. They had no insurance and yeah. He doesn't want to pay for insurance. Just to give you a little idea of the documentary, he doesn't want to pay for insurance. So he sets up his own insurance company and pays himself and he's not insured. Yeah. And just calls it the London Insurance. <laughs> yeah, so it sounds very official. And it shows it, they've got people who attended the park. They show you uh, people who are security of the park. It's mental. Watch it. It's mental. It's got guests that were on the that uh, went to the park at the time. They've got footage of what it was like. They show you the rides. It's insane to think. It ever happened. Are we going to give a little shout out to who brought this to our attention? My mate, my mate. I've got this mate called William, and he said you've got to, you've got to um, talk about this on your podcast. It's he texted us all at the same yeah, time, I think. I think. And by the time I got out of my bedroom, Ben it. was watching yeah. it. I was like, for God's sake, I had to go back and sit in my bedroom. You were on the pub finished. quiz. You were on the Zoom pub quiz. I was banging. It's a really good documentary. My personal favourite bit is where they go through the rides that didn't quite make it because they weren't yeah. safe enough for the world's most unsafe theme park. But it's only got 20 days left on Now TV. So watch it quickly. And what are we watching next week? It's the vote, viewers vote. Are you ready? So it's mm, audience pick. Mm, it's come back around full circle. Mm. And we had in semi-final number one, Happy Gilmore versus Sleeping With The Enemy. Mm-hmm. And the big Lebowski. <laughs> <laughs> Is that no. right? Oh, oh. <laughs> versus Felmer <laughs> and Louise so semi-final number one by a landslide by a thousand votes the winner was Happy Gilmore mm-hmm. and in semi-final number two luckily for my pronunciations it was Felmer and Louise that won that one so that means the final was Happy Gilmore versus Felmer and Louise. And I said last night it was going to be tight and Jack said, not a chance. It wasn't tight, was it? And it turns out Jack was right because it's won by over 20%. Yeah. And out of Happy Gilmore and Felmer and Louise, next week we are watching, picked by you guys, Happy Gilmore. What is that? It's that f- comedy that's not really funny. Is he play golf? Yeah, he's, it's Adam Sandler. He's golf. I don't think I've ever watched it properly, but I know all my mates like it. Haven't they just had 25 years of that? Because yeah. I saw Adam yeah. Sandler hit a golf ball. On Instagram, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I haven't seen it for a long time, for a long time. I haven't seen Have it. Have you not? I haven't seen it, no. So we're back here next week. We're joined by one of you guys for the synopsis. And as always, if you want to keep in touch with us through the week, you can. We're at Sofa Cinema Club on Twitter and Instagram. 
please keep leaving us them reviews on iTunes. Keep sharing the podcast with your friends. It really does help. We love all your support. And until next week, all that's left to say is good night, God bless. Good night. Good night. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.